What's going on? Sweat It Out is sponsored by Ice Shaker, the ultimate bottle for living an active and healthy lifestyle. You see, Ice Shaker is the perfect bottle for keeping your drinks hot or cold and blending powders on the go. It was created by Chris Gronkowski and invested in by Mark Cuban, so you all know it's legit. So please, we encourage you guys to go check them out at iceshaker.com and use our coupon code SWEATITOUT for $5 off your first purchase of $25 or more. If you guys know us, you know we're not here to push products that aren't going to benefit your life. If we use it, we want you guys to use it because we know it's going to bring a lot of value. And there's no better bottle than Ice Shaker. Another thing, guys, both Josh and I, we live in Miami. And you know that's a very hot city. So it's super important for us to keep our drinks cold at all time. So for those who live in hot cities as well, you know what we're going through. One more time, check them out at iceshaker.com and use coupon code SWEATITOUT for $5 off your first purchase of $25 or more. Boom. If you guys are like us, you know how hard it is to find the perfect pair of workout gear. That's why we want to introduce you to 10,000. 10,000 is a no BS, no gimmick company with no endless scrolling through indistinguishable products. We understand how overwhelming it can be to have to scroll through a mindless amount of products and colorways when you're trying to pick the perfect fit for you. 10,000 has pared back their line to just the essentials, creating a system of gear that's perfectly designed for all the ways you train. Check them out at 10,000.cc and use the code SWEATITOUT for 15% off your order. What is up, guys, and welcome back to the Sweat It Out podcast. Today we have a special guest, and um, this individual, I've known him for quite a while. Amazing person. He's always growing, always self-developing, and he's he's a true example of what he preaches. What can I say? This man is a true coach. He's a practitioner. He lives by the model of happiness, the model of releasing, self-healing. And he's, tr- he's a true, true example of that. He really drives himself to create a big impact in the world by making himself a better version every time to be able to be more self- selfless for other individuals out there. Please help me welcome the one and only Kian Lagi. It's time to sweat it out with Anthony Mendez and Josh Evans. What is up, guys, and welcome back to the Sweat It Out podcast. Today we have a special guest. We got a buddy of mine, and his name is Kian Lagi. What's up, brother? What's going on, brother? I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. Of yeah, course, thanks man. for coming, man. It's a pleasure, man. It's a pleasure. How you been? I've been fantastic. I've been fantastic, man. It's uh, all this COVID stuff's been pretty crazy, but uh, it's nice to be back. Some normalcy here in the U.S. after living right. the last year and a few months out in uh, South America. So it's I know there's a lot of craziness going on, but at least I can understand everybody that's talking here. No, most definitely. That that must have been an experience. Um, well, actually, I know we spoke about it before a little bit. 
we got on that call and you told me a little bit about you know how you were how things were over there and when you were there and when you came back um and, and telling me all that so we definitely want to dive into more about that um colombia <laughs> colombia josh you've been there no never me either never no i need to go but uh well keen's our tour guy now yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's go absolutely <laughs> where, guys out there where were you medellin or bogota yeah medellin okay yeah yeah crazy very, very different very different people are very different they'll make sure that you know that too and the bogota people and the medellin people ooh, <laughs> yeah the, very the, different. the mountain people versus you know being the more city people the other, so is the it city. over there too like where it's like you don't even want to mention like hey like you don't want to get confused like hey aren't you from bogota or they like take that offensive if they're not yeah absolutely oh, okay, absolutely okay. especially the girls the girls are like you think I'm somebody from Bogota? What? <laughs> <laughs> you, think that, you think that's me? Like, uh, like no, sorry, I have no idea. You know? So how was how was that experience? Um, you know, when you left here, you know, going straight there for the first time. Like, what was? How did that feel like off the bat? Because you're you're like me. You're a real gringo. Like, yeah, yeah. I was gringo to the core when I first went there. Uh, I luckily had a, a Mexican friend. And uh, another friend who spoke quite a bit of Spanish. So we went there. Uh, but I knew, knew, hola, como estas, uno, dos, tres. I was about all <laughs> So si- signature gringo. Uh, but so heading out there, you know, we were only planning on being out there for about a month and a half. Uh, and then after about five days of being there, we said, you know, let's just stay for a lot longer. And uh, we all went home for Christmas and then came back January 1st. And uh, we said that's where we were going to be. And I'm like, well, if I'm going to be here, then I got to probably learn the language. So uh, everybody there, as far as the gringos that were already there. So the best way to learn the language is they're going on a lot of dates. So my friends and I, we, uh, we met different women, very beautiful, kind, loving women. And I ended very up, kind. Uh, very kind, right. Very kind. Uh, and I eventually stumbled upon a girl very soon after being there that ended up, uh, catching me pretty hard. And she ended up teaching me a lot of Spanish and I'm with her today. So what was that one Spanish word that you needed to learn or know when you had to date these women? When it mierda. <laughs> this is I, th- I think this applies to every everyone c c yeah yeah josh has yeah i got a i got an accelerated lesson uh through very loud tones we'll just leave it at that <laughs> that's a we great way to learn for, as well yeah it's a it's one way for sure man it's one way for sure talk about full immersion <laughs> I bet. Thrown right into the fire, man. <laughs> Thrown right. In. My ex-wife didn't speak a word of English when we met. So, it was what a, a good. great experience, though, man. Just to put yourself in that, like, so many people are so afraid to be able to to do something like that. You know, you have somebody from a completely different culture. You know, we're gringo eyes, but people from the the Latin American culture, it's entirely different. So, yeah. to put yourself my in that my situation. ex-wife would would hate the fact that you just said she's from Latin America, though. She's Argentinian, and they feel like yep. oh, we're we're <laughs> you're very European. We're you know we're we're Italian. We're not. <laughs> We're not like the rest of them. Okay, sure. <laughs> and then you press one button and she gets all fired up and the Latina comes out. Oh, you know? there it is. The fine <laughs> yeah. Latina. Look out. The sweet, yeah, nah, the kind. And- it comes out eventually, you know? It comes out eventually. Yeah. But it, like you said, good learning experiences for sure. Well, it reminds me of the the commercial. It's the first they're sweet, then they're sour. Remember, it's like the, the sour patch. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. like. I don't even know if I got sweet. I think I got, I think I got <laughs> so tart, like- tart and sour. <laughs> Yeah, the sweet man. I'm sorry. Yeah, Shout man. out to who? No, just yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like eating eating a bag of warheads. You know? <laughs> By the time oh, you get to man. the sweet part, you're like, I can't do this anymore. Oh man! But uh, what have you been up to lately, man? Since you've been back, 
I've just been cocooning, man. I've been uh, just in my own space, really honing in on my craft as far as what I do with people. Um, spending my time with the beach and spending my time in a lot of uh, solitude within myself, understanding myself greater so I can give a much better service to the people that I'm facilitating my, uh, my sessions with. And what have you been doing with your clients just so everyone who's listening or going to be watching on YouTube can, uh, can find you and, you know, utilize your services if they so please. Yeah, absolutely. So I just save people a lot of years in their life. So the, there's this, the common phrase of, Oh, it happened for a reason. Oh, it happened for a reason. I would happen for a reason. But most people don't realize is when it happens the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth time, it no longer happens for a reason. Uh, you're just constantly catching yourself in this repetitive uh, turmoil of patterns, I should say, of constantly having this self-sabotaging way of being. And many people that I work with as far as executives in business, they need this level of uh, chaos. They need this level of stress in their life to be able to maintain a level of um, commitment to what they're doing. And so eventually sabotage ends up happening in some way, one way or another, whether it's the relationships or their own business, just because they need that chaos to be able to stay motivated. So really I get, people I know that feeling (laughs) (laughs) needing that chaos. Right. So really I save people a lot of years by helping them uh, remove the energy associated with different self-sabotaging behaviors that are causing them to consistently use, Oh, it happened again for a reason. It happened again for a reason. So they can move on from that and actually start to get what they want in their life. That's amazing. Um, you know, and, and definitely an area that, um, a lot of people, you know, do need help in and, and, you know, having those services available, you know, from your end, I'm sure you're impacting a lot of lives. Um, people knowing you key now that what you just told everybody what you're doing, I definitely want to go a little bit. I want to go not a little bit, but let's take it a little further back. I want to go into kind of a, how that started molding for you. Um, where you started, I know, um, yeah, I know you played football, um, and I want to go from there. Like, how did this Kean develop? How did this Kean become the Kean that you are today that's serving so many people on a high level? I would say it wasn't necessarily a level of development, more of an uncovering. Uh, and that's where, uh, you know, I've told the story before, but my, my football story, I had the opportunity to play in the NFL. And I would argue that football was my way. Who that? Yup. <laughs> was my. Yeah, the, fo- the football. I didn't forget. I remembered. Yeah, right now I look like a cross country right now. Everybody looking at me. Like, oh, you play receiver. Like, <laughs> I actually played linebacker. I was about forty pounds heavier back then. But uh, no. So with with football, man, uh, I played, and it was it was a way for me to be able to express myself emotionally. As a young child, I was always the kid that would uh, never speak up. I always wanted to make sure everybody was okay. Nobody was mad at me, uh, and I wasn't very aggressive. I would uh, self punish. I was a perfectionist. I always had to uh, do the right thing. Uh, and so in a lot of ways, I wasn't able to express myself healthily when I was upset. I was sad. I was angry because I was afraid to uh, disappoint somebody else. And uh, so football was my outlet. I, I came home after my first day of practice and I said to my mom, I said, mom, I could go and hit people legally without getting in trouble. And she's like, well, did I just raise a serial killer? Or <laughs> but uh, no, it was, it was my way of being able to express myself and I happened to get really good at it. And so if I could use it, keep in mind, I said, use it as a way to be able to, to express myself and be really good at it and get a lot of approval from a lot of people, then it was something that I was going to get on board with. So it really soothed my, uh, my ego and my insecurities, getting a lot of praise from a lot of people, uh, which kept me, I think, emotionally afloat. And so when I finally uh, got told the day that uh, in the NFL, when uh, one of my injuries was much worse than I initially thought that I'd never be able to play again, it was like literally part of the pie just got removed from who I was. 
uh, and I no longer could rely on that to prevent me from feeling a little bit of pain that I had. And that's really what it was, was me using that to cope with a lot of emotional pain that I had. So, uh, really that's, that's what happened. I hit a point where I got done playing cause I couldn't anymore. And I picked up, picked up a book called the biology of belief by a guy named Bruce Lipton. And he talked about this thing called heaven on earth. And I was like, what, what is this? What's this all about? And he talked about unlearning who you're not. Uh, so you can then step into this place of actually finding joy, uh, not a promise of one day you can feel joy, but actually being able to experience it here and now. And so that, in itself really uh, intrigued me. I'm like, well, I'm going to know what this is all about. So uh, I was inspired and I'm like, all right, well, how do I eventually get in a position to be able to kind of talk about this stuff? Cause I know I want to embark on this journey. I'm like, Definitely. well, uh, I know personal training. So let me start there. And I don't want to cut you off. Um, but I definitely want to go into that moment when you were told your career's over. Um, how was that for you facing those obstacles, facing those feelings, um, you know, to the moment you, you know, read that book, you know, got inspired and moved into training. But what was that that timetable in between? Because I know, I know that could be a hard time for people to deal with. And uh, you know, us all being humans, we've all experienced different hard times. You know, what was what was that feeling for you, and and how did you deal with that to be able to move forward and continue on? Man, honestly, uh, you might expect it to just be a lot of pain. And yes, it was a lot of pain, but there was actually an element of relief that I experienced as well. Uh, just because I, I have been such a people pleaser and perfectionist growing up and I expected so much from myself. And uh, really the feeling of that starts from when I was, I was actually sitting in the uh, cafeteria of Kansas City waiting to get my physical to then eventually tell me I'd never be able to play again. But really it was an hour before that, that I had this feeling of, this is it. This is what it's supposed to feel like to accomplish your lifelong dream. Like really like this is it. And I quickly pushed away those feelings. And then, you know, an hour later I went and got the results, uh, found that I'd never be able to play again. But really that moment I realized like, Whoa, there's something to that. And that's when I came to the realization that nothing that I ever accomplished or did, uh, here would give me a level of fulfillment that I was hoping that it would. Right. And so with that being said, it makes sense why I felt a little bit of relief once I was never going to be able to play again. Uh, after I bawled my eyes out, of course, um, was because I no longer was putting this expectation on myself to have to perform, to feel okay about me. Yeah. Right. So it did hurt because it was the thing that it was my lifelong dream since I was in third grade that I said I was going to do. And I essentially did it. Um, but once, you know, I, I felt all of that pain from not getting it, I was able to actually kind of see it of like, whoa, I'm actually experiencing a little bit of relief because that Crazy. pressure is no longer there. So right after I got the news, I went and got a cheeseburger and fries and okay. kind of just sat in it. And I was like, I don't have to count my food. Like <laughs> it just feels good. I can just like be and not have to stress about being anywhere or working out or anything like this feels foreign. So would you say that this is something in your life that you can say this happened for me? You know, um, something that you're like, this was a moment, you know, this, this, this is something that happened for me. And, and there's a reason why it happened. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. And you know, there's a reason why it happened. Now, if I would continue to chase and look for, for uh, validation outside of myself, as far as success, then uh, that would not happen for a reason the next time, right? Like I talked about at the beginning. Yeah. So it did serve its purpose as far as happening for a reason by showing me, it's like, Hey, you can't find your emotional stability from the validation you're getting from other people through this activity. And I think that was really the message that was trying to get across to me. And it was loud and clear. And uh, I heard it definitely. 
Sounds it sounds. I mean, I met you what, like probably three years ago, three and a half years ago, when when you first moved down here and started working at Equinox. And by the sounds of you know just the first fifteen minutes of being in the podcast, you know, it sounds like you're a lot more you know grounded and and humble, and you know are really taking stock and like your your emotional thoughts and and the way that you go about things because you know i'm not gonna lie like the first couple interactions we have i don't think that they were the best on either of our ends <laughs> you know i think that we were pretty both uh hard-headed people at the time you know i i know that i taught you in a couple of educational classes but um and you you know like me at least it seemed from the outside like you know when i started personal training i thought that i i knew everything i thought that i knew you know i thought i was god's gift to earth and you know, the first couple of times I, I was teaching you, you know, I kind of thought the same thing, but I always knew that there was something inside of you that, you know, like me, if you were around the right people, which by the sounds of it, you ended up being around, you know, um, you could really make a difference and you could really make a change positively in your life uh, to be able to, you know, really service others for the betterment of, of themselves. Right. So, you know, was there a turning point, you know, because it, it really does sound like you know you're a completely different person than the, the person that i met three and a half years ago <laughs> you know and that's like yeah. that's a testament right like we should we should be getting better we should be becoming more aware of of who we are and, and the interactions that we have with other people and i know since then i've done i've taken a lot of stock in myself and really try to make sure that the interactions i have with other people uh are similar to the ones that you know we're having now was there a turning point you know when you started personal training where you said like okay you know, like me, I got to check my ego at the door and I got to move forward so that I can actually listen and help and make a benefit, make a positive impact in other people's lives. Was Did you notice a change there? You know, because it, it really is noticeable now for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it's interesting that you said, you know, did you get around different people or the, it sounds like you got around the right people. And uh, to be completely honest with you, you know, I've always been around a lot of people in my life. Uh, I've always been, you know, part of the, the popular kids or the group of people that was always had the most going for them and, and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. And I think that's ultimately what prevented me from maybe fully being able to tap into me and understand me because I was always surrounded by people. You no, know? regardless of, of the kind of people they were, I was always surrounded by people. And I've always been a, a relatively individual type of thinker, but I was always around people. And uh, I know being a people pleaser by nature, other people's energy can weigh heavily on me. It did a lot more, way more than it does now, but which influences my decision-making process and gets in the way of me being able to understand what I want. So I would say probably the biggest thing with me, especially with going to Colombia, uh, Miami was one step, but then going to Colombia was another with me being able to just get around me right? And not have all the other voices around me, regardless of their level of positive influence or negative influence, but just to be able to be in my own influence. And I think that's probably the most powerful part. And I think that's the thing that most people are afraid of is that level of uh, solitude uh, because people are so afraid of being alone. And I think that was probably one of my biggest things was being okay with being just alone. And it was scary because I had to confront a lot of demons and fears within myself as far as, Oh, I'll be alone forever. If I let myself just be alone now. Right. And so confronting a lot of that fear of aloneness and I'm going to continue as I'm taking a, a sabbatical here in a couple months and we can talk about a little more if we'd like to, but, love to. Yeah, uh, great. Love it's, to. uh, that was it for me, man. It's just getting alone, getting yeah. alone. I mean, that was, you know, a, a similar struggle that I had, you know, when I first moved, I mean, I grew up in the Syracuse area Menda's going to hate me for bringing, bringing up Syracuse again, but <laughs> Uh, 
you know, I was always surrounded by the same, the same type of people, right. Whether they were yes men or, you know, whether they give me positive advice, it was still collectively the same thought process everyone had. Right. So when I moved to Miami, I had the same type of thing, right. Kind of thrown into the fire and, and being around so many different cultures and so many different mindsets and, and people that have, you know, really gone out and seen the world compared to what I had seen, you know, and I saw a very similar thing uh, with you, you know, when I first met you and I was, you know, teaching those educational classes for, for Equinox. Uh, so I just wanted to get that out there in the open. Cause you know, it's something that I've thought about since, since those days, you know, and you and I haven't really had a ton of interaction since then, uh, just because our, our paths haven't really crossed. So, you know, I wanted to kind of get that out there in the open and be like, okay, man, like, you know, it wasn't because I hated you. It was just because like, I saw the same, th- you know, people did the same thing for me. They checked me too. you know, Kavan, you know, Kavan. Kavan did the same thing for me. Like, listen, man, like, you know, you have something special and you really can help people, but all this other shit's got to go away. You know, so it's the same thing that I saw on you, you know, like I knew that you had a, a pretty big potential. You know, you obviously cared because you were there and you, you were paying attention. Most people are just fucking snoozing out, you, you know, like, <laughs> but you were always engaged. You always ask questions whether or not, you know, we could direct those questions in, in a direction that, you know, brought everyone to understand better. You know, that that comes with time, but you know, some, uh, a true testament to you that, you know, you were able to really look inside of yourself and say, okay, you know, I need to do this for me in order to help, help others. Mm, 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 mm. Yes. Well, you just said that last part, I need to do this for me to help others. And that has been my biggest journey is being able to just make it about me and being okay with not helping other people. Right. That's right. And, and I don't mean to break up, but it's one of those things where me and Josh talk about all the time where you have to be um, somewhat selfish to want to be able to improve on yourself and give yourself that time, that space to become a better version of yourself every single day. So you could be more selfless to others because, you know, a, a lot of times, you know, people might want to look at that. Well, you know, you only care about you. You only care about this, but what they don't understand is if, if you don't care about yourself, you don't put time on yourself. If you don't put that self healing or that self growing to be able to discover who you truly are, no matter what situations you've gone through in life, you know, that's not, you're not going to be able to serve more people on a higher level if you don't do that, you know? So, you know, I think it's, it's a learning point for everybody to understand that, you know, you have to have that time for yourself. You need to be selfish for yourself if you want to impact on a bigger scale, other people's lives, you know, because if you're the best version for you, then you can show up as the best version for everybody else and just create more impact. Yeah, I want to I want to circle back to to something that you had said uh before, right? When you were talking about, you know, helping your clients and I think it ties in directly to, you know, personal growth. Uh you talked about uh harmful narratives that people formulate in their own head, right? So what are some of those common narratives that you hear uh from your clients and from the people that you work with and some ways to kind of overcome those and battle through those as, you know, you're you're learning more about yourself? everybody's trying to screw me over, right? And there's this, there's this idea that everybody maybe outside of their family uh, is trying to screw them over or they're not safe. And um, I think that's kind of a natural thing for a lot of people is to feel that way. Uh, I mean, if you think about it, we're kind of programmed to believe that, you know, we're taught the strain talking to strangers are, are bad and, and um, going outside and away from your family is bad. And, you know, that is attributed to different levels of uh, attachment within families that, I mean, we could talk about and that's a whole different dynamic, but really it's just like, I'm not safe outside of my family. And really uh, I'm not safe in general is really the foundation of 
every narrative that people have is that I'm not safe in and of myself. And so when you get peel past all the other um, fluff of different narratives, it's I'm not safe. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Uh, I think, you know, now taking five seconds after you said that to, <laughs> to think about it, you know, a lot of insecurities come from the fact that people don't feel, you know, whether it's financially or emotionally or whatever, you know, you're right. Like they don't, they don't feel safe. What, what do you think causes people to, you know, formulate these thoughts in their head? Like, you know, is it, is it mostly financial? Is it because of the way that their upbringing, uh, shape them? You know, what have you found that that's been a, a you know, a common trend among, uh, people who use those narratives? Uh, honestly, for, for many of just based on the nature of a lot of people that I work with high performers, like people that are like achieving, achieving, achieving and, and looking for validation through their achievement, which was me. Um, the people that do that, it's fascinating because most people look at them and say, oh, okay, well, what do you have to complain about? How, how like everything's great with you. You have money, you have a boat, you have a car, amazing car. You have all these great things in your life. Um, but really those things don't matter uh, because the reason why they act, that person might have actually gotten the boat, gotten the car, gotten all the success, created this external environment around them that looks so sexy is because they were doing everything they possibly could to make themselves feel like they were worthy. So if they were able to create an environment around them to make it look like they're happy, mm-hmm. uh, then they can then convince themselves that they are, but then they find that that it doesn't actually bring them that level of fulfillment and happiness. So go- going into this topic, how... What's the approach or what's the way you work with these people? Because I know there's a lot of people out there have, have become successful based off these narratives and, and these also to these ideas that they play in their head and they use that as some kind of a fuel to get them from the ground up and become successful and financially free and, mm-hmm. like you said, buy some of these things. And, you know, to, to a certain degree, you know, it's also great, you know, to be able to use certain things to boost you and become successful and get to certain levels in life. But when does it become a problem? When does it become an, an issue of, of unhealthiness um, that it starts? When to you start buying a bunch of miniature football <laughs> helmets, right? Bringing them into the office. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's just my, that's my hobby. Get out of my hobby. Get out of my hobby. No, no. But um, when do you see that? When do you typically see that that's a problem or an area where it's like, you know, where it's like use use things to boost you or use certain things to, to help you catapult you, but at the same time, when when is it a good time to know, okay, I can't sabotage myself anymore because it's going to really destroy my health in the long run? That's a fantastic question. That's a fantastic question. And actually, the majority of people that are the leaders in every single industry are coming from a massive place of lack, to be honest with you, which is why they push themselves so hard to get to that place. Yeah. And we've all been there, right? Yeah, Absolutely. for sure. hundred percent. And we can't lie. There's still times where we probably take out some of that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I want to know in your take, how, what's the way to approach that differently? So the, the first thing is to, to understand um, that just because you have had so much success with using that method methodology of this like underdog type of mentality. Uh, it doesn't mean that you need it to be able to continue to move forward. And I think a lot of people, it's almost like glorified to attach to this underdog way of thinking and this underdog mentality, like, Oh, I have to prove myself. 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 And if yeah, you, you don't always, have that. You always hear that, that saying like, Oh, he's got a chip on his shoulder. She's yeah, got a chip yeah. on their shoulder. Like, yeah, wh- it's, it's, what, just, it's an insecurity. It's yeah. an insecurity. Yeah. Right. And, and so 
getting people to understand, you know, it, it happens through a level of clearing that has to happen first to get them to realize that they don't need to have this underdog way of being to be able to have success. It could happen much more easily for them than, than they believe. But I think that's one of the biggest thing is getting people to understand that, Hey, like this way of being that you have, where it's this force force, make things happen, make things happen, make things happen. I'm this underdog and I have to work harder than everybody else. And I have to push harder than everybody else. And I have to do more than everybody else uh, actually isn't serving you. It's not serving anybody else. And actually you can have more success, uh, put in less effort and feel better by being able to move past that. So I definitely want to dive in a little bit about that. And, and, and definitely this is a great area to talk about because, you know, it, it, it will mess with your health down the road. So how do you redirect that thought process? And, you know, do you anchor them to something else to use that continuous motivation for success? How do you go about that? How do you shift their mind so they continue growing and succeeding, but without having to use those narratives um, of the underdog chip on my shoulder. What do you, what do you bring into their life or what do you bring into as far as awareness for them to be able to continue succeeding? It's a certain level of pain that they have to feel, right? It's the pain that they've been preventing themselves from being able to feel, which is why they've kept themselves so busy in the first place because they're trying to prevent themselves from feeling a certain level of pain, right? So it's being able to get them in the position to where they can actually feel and experience that pain. And sometimes People, when they have so much success, their idea of them being happy uh, is so wrapped up in that that they're not even aware that they're miserable. You know, so sometimes a certain level of failure has to happen, but a lot of the times it's it's getting people to understand the detriment of what's happening uh, as a byproduct of how they're being, right, with their relationships. Um, with this constant need to have to do more, 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 more at work, where they have to be in the state of chaos to be able to be motivated. Um, but really that's where the the place most people get to when they get to me is like, yo, like I'm sabotaging my relationship with my significant other, my businesses are starting to fail because I just keep going and I can't stop. Uh, and now that, that level of awareness isn't normally that high at that point. They normally just, Hey, all these things are fucking up in these different areas of life. You know, why is this happening? Uh, but then it's being able to see that and feel the pain associated with that. And that's where, you know, you get these full grown badass men and women, I may add, uh, feeling things that they've never felt before. And letting them feel some, themselves feel that pain that needs to be felt so they can healthfully move on from it. I think so much of, you know, American culture is, you know, tied emotionally and uh, with their occupation, right? Like, no matter where you go, if you're in a major city, right? Miami, New York, LA, Chicago, Philly, it's always the same thing, right? It's like, first question, who are you? Second question, what do you do? You know? And now with everything going on, you know, this, this past year with coronavirus and, and the government shutting down businesses and all that stuff, a lot of people are going through that strain right now, right? Where they're, they don't have that, that validation of, you know, I'm a lawyer at this firm or I'm a doctor at Jackson Memorial hospital or wherever. Right. So it's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. How do you, or what would you tell, you know, those people who are going through that struggle right now as like an initial thing, just like, Hey, like, you know, you're going to get it through it, but in order to do that, you know, you need to be able to separate occupation and, and personality or individuality. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where so, you know, so many people get uh, a level of security in their lives is through those labels that you talked about. Right. And so as, as long as I'm key in the, the, uh, emotional intelligence coach, as long as I'm Josh, the trainer, as long as I have this, I have a level of certainty in my life. I'm a trainer. Okay. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> right. Like as long as we have these labels and we He's feel a podcaster okay. now, podcaster now, 
Hey, hey, you hear me, Joe Rogan? I'm coming for you. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, but yeah, like you said, it. They uh, as long as you people have these labels, they feel okay. They give themselves permission to feel okay about themselves. So really, it's 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 so funny because there's literally. I mean, two days ago, I was on a call with a client, and for an hour, hour and a half. Uh, it was a long, long call, but she literally was just giving herself permission just to purge and feel all of the pain that she hadn't gave herself permission to feel before. And, and on the other end, she's sitting there crying and I'm sitting there. I'm like, yes, I'm kind of like laughing a little bit because I know exactly where you're at right now to bend there too. You just got to keep going. Just keep going. Just letting yourself feel it. Just come on. Just keep going. Just keep feeling it. Just keep feeling it. Just stay there. Right. And so I'm like, you got it, you got it. And just giving her that space to be able to feel all of that. So if you are feeling that, which you are, right? If your if your identities uh, and security blankets, your identities are falling off around you and you are feeling a certain level of emotional pain, uh, just know that if you give yourself that permission to feel that, it won't always be that, right? And just because you're, you're letting yourself be negative for a few minutes, uh, it doesn't mean you're going to manifest into something that's terrible. And I think it's really important that people know that just because you let yourself feel that pain doesn't mean there's going to be long-term repercussions as far as there being something negative uh, associated with that, right? So the pain is not bad. And actually the pain is telling you something. And that's what actually the cool part about this process of being able to release uh, emotion energetically is that you get to a point where when you release so much, eventually those feelings of anxiety and sadness and anger are actually things telling you something you need to know in that moment, which then becomes something that's really fucking beautiful. Because like, whoa, my body's actually working with me and it always was working with you, but there's just so much crap in the way preventing you from being able to have that good connection with it that you can't even listen to it right now. But right now, in the meantime, you got to let yourself feel. And there's a lot of feeling that needs to be done as far as release goes uh, through, whether that's maybe different plant medicines or different psychotherapy or hypnotherapy, whatever it may be. Uh, there needs to be some th- a heal, uh, feeling that needs to be done, right? And recognize that it's not in the long term. It's not forever. Definitely. And I, I want to dive into that topic. Plant medicine. Definitely. No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Why not? Come on. Uh, definitely think is very interesting. And, and, you know, there's a lot of, you get a lot of different, um, you know, opinions, feedbacks from different coaches and professionals in, in, in this topic. I think we can also all agree as well where, and I want to ask you, when is that point when an individual needs to realize as well, which is obviously feeling you need to feel and it's okay to feel a certain way and, you know, have these emotions. When is it not okay to not let your feelings and your emotions take you over where now those things are making the decision decisions for you in a non-intentional way that is inhibiting or it's breaking your moral values that you usually typically would make those decisions with. When is that point that you need to understand, well, I need to not let these emotions control my decisions? That's a fantastic question. And my answer would be different based off the demographic of people. Um, So if you are somebody that's like an overachiever and you've constantly suppressed your own emotions for achieving then my answer would be different from somebody that has uh, just a whiner and they just like cry over the place and don't actually do anything with their lives. <clears throat> Mendes. <clears throat> Mendes. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm getting a lot of hits over here. Football yeah. helmets. Yeah. Calling me a whiner over love. here. It's all love. <laughs> you know. right, so it would definitely depend on that. And if you're somebody that hasn't done anything with your life and you're sitting on the couch and you're saying this person did this to me and this person did that and this and that. 
it's like, all right, well, you just need to kind of put down your pride for a second. Now, I don't want to say it because it's a lot more difficult than that. If it was that easy and everybody would do it. Of course. Right. So there's different, there's a, there's a certain level of healing that has to be facilitated in that individual as well. But uh, for the people that are the the high performers, the people that are constantly the entrepreneurs, constantly making things happen and, and achieving, uh, for those people, I would argue that if you've never given yourself permission to feel a certain level of emotional pain, which many people haven't. Uh, you're incapable of making decisions for yourself because the place you're making decisions out of is out of your emotions. Uh, you might like to think that they're not, uh, but just because you don't let yourself feel sadness and anger doesn't mean they're not driving you. And actually that's uh, what ends up happening with a lot of people is their anger and their sadness are what actually drive them. Even though they're not physically expressed, they drive their decision-making process. So I would argue that if you've never given yourself permission to actually feel a lot of the stuff you need to feel, uh, then you're not even making decisions out of your own consciousness. Uh, you're not. You're just a byproduct of your environment. And I know you. everybody like to think that they have all this free will, but actually if you've never taken the time and opportunity, give yourself the opportunity to, to feel a certain level of pain uh, because you're always constantly immersed in everything else and not giving yourself the chance to, then you're not even capable of making a decision really for yourself. You're just operating out of your programming. So um, it's, it's, it's a very difficult question uh, our answer to give because I don't know if there's necessarily a moment when it's like, all right, now I can't do that. But I would say that you have a space that you are able to f- healthfully facilitate that, uh, where, whether that's with somebody, a professional that's able to facilitate that with you. And then you go out and you, you'd be in, and you, you know, you're, you're kind to people and nice people. Then you come back and you do some kind of clearing, but if you don't have any kind of source of clearage, you're not even capable of understanding the place you're coming from as far as your motivations with your, your emotions. Right? So I don't even know if you're capable of knowing, okay, when can I, when can't I, because you're already being driven by your emotions, right? No matter how much people think they're not, they actually are. If you've never done the work to be able to release some of that stored emotion, cause we all got it, right? We all got, it. unless so it, our parents it definitely were, all goes back to that, that self healing and that, that time for yourself or with somebody, a professional helping you, um, to release all this and in a, in a, in a safe and in an environment where it keeps you safe, it keeps, you know, whoever's there with you safe as well yes. and not, not going out in the world and then doing that release out on the world. Absolutely. And that's what everybody ends up doing, yeah. right? Because it either comes out as resentment or you end up just like cutting out everybody in your life, right? So if you don't give yourself permission to feel some of the things you need to feel, then you end up building resentment. And that's majority of people, right? They feel bad because they're building resentment towards their friends and their family. And they're like, I don't know why. Right. And they feel bad for that because they're my family and they're my friends, but that's what happens, right? When you're not, don't give yourself the space and permission to be able to, uh, emotionally release the stored pent up emotion. You start to build resentment and don't be surprised if you already are feeling resentment towards certain people in your life that you don't really want to feel resentment towards. Uh, that's a byproduct of suppression of emotion. I know Josh is itching to talk about plant medicine. Yeah, no, actually, <laughs> actually I have a, a personal question. So I used to be, you know, growing up, I, I, you know, wasn't the most popular kid, right? I was kind of like the outsider in the athletic crowd that you were talking about earlier, right? Um, super emotional kid. You know, I used to cry about everything. Well, if you're in under, under 30 degrees on a constant, um, 32, remember 32, 32 is a freezing 32. point. We went over that today. <laughs> we went over that today. I was like, there's no way, you know, because you've never been in weather like, under 70 yeah, degrees. Thirties, like, no, bro, I lived there. Yeah. He's 32. Like, Syracuse, one of the coldest Fahrenheit. South Dakota, Syracuse, we get cold out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, so I was super emotional as a kid, like cry about everything, everything that happened to me dictated my emotions and then therefore my emotions dictated everything that happened to me right and then i don't honestly i don't know when but 
I mean, not saying that I don't get frustrated with things now. He'd be the first person to tell you that, you know, especially when it comes to like the camera equipment. <laughs> but, um, you know, there just became a time in my life where it, it completely, my whole life made a 180, right? And I just kind of stopped allowing my emotions uh, to make the decisions for me. And I just allowed myself to, you know, try to take a step back as best I could and, and really analyze the situations. With that being said, am I fucked up? <laughs> but like honestly am i fucked up like in the head because a lot of people have said like you know you really don't when it comes to like you know decision making like it's just very black and white for you so you know i'm not saying that that's a bad thing for for anyone who kind the of experiences no. the you're, same thing you're not fucked up you're not fucked up and i think the beautiful part about that is that no matter who you are no matter what you're experiencing or feeling unless you were born to something then there was something that caused that thing to happen and what I would argue maybe for you is that the pain got so strong maybe at certain points of you just feeling so much that you're like, I can't feel anymore and I'm not going to let myself feel anymore. And so because I, I can't let myself experience any more pain, then I'm just going to stop caring. Right? I'm going to stop caring and I'm just going to shut off emotionally and I'm just going to make decisions out of logic and what I know to be true independent of my emotions. And that's very natural and very normal for people that are experiencing a lot of pain. Uh, and they feel so much. And that's like I said, that not only normal, but that's expected, right? Cause you can't go your whole life just like in pain. Right? And that's what would happen, right? You just live your whole life right. in pain. So right. you do something different. Right? And that's the one thing that really allowed you to survive was you cutting off the thing that you perceive as being the source of all your pain, which is your emotions. Right. And so that's very normal and natural. And the one downside to that, right? I would give it a lot of credit because it did get you through that time of your life. Uh, but the downside of it now would be is that it prevents you from being able to fully connect at a deep level. And now uh, it's going to prevent you from real genuine connection, if not healthfully dealt with, because there's this detachment now associated with maybe your ways of being potentially, I don't know, um, that keep you at a safe length from other people. Uh, and it might at times be perceived as you getting deep, but in reality, there's still that wallop. Right? Oh, for sure. Right. There's still that yeah. wallop, right. Which can prevent you from feeling a certain level of connection, which at the highest level is the, the, one the, of the most important, most, right. One of the most yeah. feeling feeling. So that would be the one thing is that I would say it helped you substantially at one point. Cause it's way better than feeling like shit all the time. Uh, but now it would be the thing that's limiting you from, I would say getting what you want, maybe in, in your real uh, business professional life, but also in the standpoint of gen, uh, genuine human connection as well. I right. think it's crazy because I think we can all agree that, you know, there's certain times where these things can help you in certain points. And then if you keep it on, it won't help you. So you got to know when to shut it off. Absolutely. You know? that, that that right there is what people, uh, that's one of the biggest things that I get across to people is like, yo, like this adaptation that you took on, like that's an adaptation, right? It's an right. adaptation to survive what you perceived as life or death at that age, right? When you cut off your emotions, you got to flip the switch. You got to flip it, right? It, it's there for a purpose and a reason. Everything that every way of being that we have is there for a biological adaptation. It is right. And so it shouldn't be demonized. It should actually be loved and appreciated because it did get you through a very rough time. And, and it can be attributed to maybe a lot of success that you have too. Right. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Right. So it's yeah. done a lot of amazing things for you. And that's the crazy part. And that's why a lot of times art uh, will attach to it even more because it has done so many good things for us. So it's like, yeah. okay, I know I don't have to like, uh, I won't, maybe won't be able to genuinely connect at this deep level, but it's also getting me a lot of other dope shit. Right. So my brain's like, well, Josh, why are we changing? Why are you trying yeah. to change? Like all these great things are happening in your right. life. Why are you trying to change? Right. And so what's, well, 
I've gotten to a place where I want to have that genuine next level of connection. It's scary as shit. I know it is. It's got to be for you, right? Because you haven't let yourself go to that space. Um, But if that's what you want, then that's what would be the next step for you would be is being able to healthfully regain the connection with your emotions and helping you to then understand once you purge a lot of the the pain that you need to purge, uh, that your emotions are actually the thing that like if proper, have a healthy relationship with will get you everything you want in life because, and and it's cool because I'm getting a, a level of coaching right now where I'm learning what different, uh, things are in my body that happen and what they mean, uh, to me. And so then you can actually start to develop this dope, like, a relationship with your body where it's like, whoa, like I feel this when this happens. Whoa, I don't even have to like mentally figure it out because this just tells me this is right. You know, like, oh, wow, I get chills at this time. Oh, that means this is right. Mm-hmm. right. So then you can actually use all these beautiful tools that our body gives us. But right now, most people are not in the position to be able to have that healthy relationship with their body because there's so much stored emotion yep. that that connection is just irrelevant right now. And that's why I'm a big believer on, on uncomfortability. You know, and and it, and it doesn't matter the situations you're in. Everybody's different, but you know, putting yourself in in certain uncomfortable situations that actually might help you are going to be that key answer. So you know, exploring uncomfortability can really change your life. Yeah, I mean, at times I feel I feel like I throw myself in, in, into too many situations where I feel uncomfortable. Though you know, like as a test to myself, like can you handle? you know, the pressure or can you handle, you know, being in a group of people that are going to throw animosity towards What's you? What's the normal result? Uh, 50, 50, 50, you know, either like tell myself like, uh, I got to get the fuck out of here. Like, you know, it's either too much. And I realized it so at the time. It's a bad thing? No, I didn't say it's a bad thing. I wouldn't say it's a bad thing. You know, I mean, it, to me, like all these situations, I try not to gauge them as like good or bad. Just like they are what they are, you know, like whether it's going to be good or if it is great, if not, then I just try to exit those situations, you know, so that I don't have to be in a position where, uh, you know, I either one for feel extremely vulnerable, right. Which happens at times, depending on the, the crowd of people I'm in, or I start to feel, you know, those, uh, those emotional cues of like animosity or jealousy for other people. Like, Oh, you know, like Mendes has just for example, not that I ever feel this cause you know, I love Anthony, but you know, like, oh, Mendes has like 250,000 followers and he's got this business and this is doing well. It's like, well, why don't I have those things? You know, and then I, and then after I have those emotions, mo- majority of the time, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I'm able to kind of step back and go like, why are you fucking thinking about these things? Like, why is that important to you? Why does that have any impact on what you're doing? You know, and again, I'm just using you as an example, because I'm looking at you. Beautiful face. Thank you. Finally, I got a compliment. You know, a big, a big, a big one. You know, like why can't I grow a beard like Mendez has? You know, like I really want that beard. I got these little pat. You know, stuff like that. So, but a majority of the time, you know, I'm able to take that step back and be able to reanalyze that situation and go, okay, uh, you know, I don't need to be having these thoughts, or they're not, they're not maybe going to benefit my life in any way. They're just going to hold me back, like you were saying. You know, and on the flip side, if I'm in a situation where you know, people are either one kissing my ass. I get annoyed by that very easily. You know, just, I'm just like, you don't need to do this. Like I'm a normal human being just like you are, you know, just like you are. I mean, we've had, we've had this interaction, you know, it's like, I respect you, you know, but I also had to tell you how I felt, you know, and give you, and at the same time, give you praise for, you know, making the change that I was hoping that you would make in your life. You know, um, sometimes I look for that in people like to give me that praise and give me that gratification that, you know, okay, you made something of yourself. You came from a small town and you did, you know, you got out and you did stuff. And then I, you know, 
when I'm in the, in my hometown, I'm like, I don't care about that, you know, but it has always been this major driving factor in my life. Like you have to prove all those people that said that you were going to be nothing wrong, you know? And now, now that I'm getting older, you know, I'm almost 30. I'm like, okay, none of that really matters. You know, those people were shaped through their own experiences and, and the way that they were taught, you know, their morals, their values. And, you know, at the time that I was, you know, experiencing all that stuff young, you know, kids are terrible. Kids are like the worst people when they come, you know, they don't give a shit. If they feel something that they need to tell you something, regardless of if it's going to harm you or, or make you feel good, like they're going to say it, you know? So I chalk up a lot of it to that, you know, and I don't hold any, any animosity towards anyone I grew up with and, you know, that may have treated me poorly. Uh, I'm happy for them and where they are in life. And I, as I expect them to be happy with where I am in life, but you know, it does really kind of shape who you become. And, and I've been trying over time, especially the past couple of years, having conversations with people uh, like you who do have a lot more experience in the emotional intelligence that go into your thought process. Uh, and I have been able to learn a lot about myself, but and you know, like anyone, there's always a ton of growing, growing pains and, and, and room to grow. So, you know, I kind of just wanted to ask you that question and see what your thoughts were. Yeah. Then the most wild part about what it is that you said about having that, that kind of chip on your shoulder, like proving people wrong kind of thing. You're, you're actually end up, you end up making decisions out of a place of, uh, will this prove somebody wrong or will this show them that I'm capable or worthy of this? And you begin to make decisions, not out of really what you want. And I would argue that when you were younger, you weren't even in a position to be able to know what it is that you want facts, right? So, so you make these decisions out of trying to gain a certain level really of, of approval, right? To show them that, Hey, and they, so they see that you achieve. So it's a kind of a level of approval that you're, that you're getting, but you make decisions, not out of a lens of what you want, but out of a lens of doing that. And when you do that, when you're constantly making decisions out of a place of trying to prove to somebody or show to somebody that you're worthy or that they're going to give you some form of affection or attention, then there begins to be this disconnect with the self. Uh, and I would say the self as your, your higher you and so you're making decisions independent of what you as your higher self wants because you don't even really know you as your higher self. So there get there begins to be this this process that happens uh, of getting out of alignment with yourself where you're doing things over here and your, your belief system, what you really want underneath all this other crap is over here. And so this disconnect, this lack of alignment actually creates mental chaos. And I would argue that's what happens with the majority of people that have a ton of anxiety uh, are depressed is that they're living in this state of being completely out of alignment uh, because a lot of the times they're living a life, not for them, but to gain the approval of somebody, a parent, a, a friends or family, whatever it may be. So then there's that disconnect gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And then you, people wonder, well, well I'm, I'm having success. I'm having the thing. I get everything. I have everything that I want, but really like you're not even capable of what having what you want. Cause you don't even know who you are. So what do you say? Like during that time for Josh, um, you know, trying to prove people wrong, but it helped him succeed and help him get out of some other terrible things. Would you agree that he needed to go through that so he can catapult himself into a different stage of his life? Um, and then maybe from there, not use that anymore as that fuel, but would you say it was also important for him to have had something to push him out of a certain stage or or to gain some kind of success? Or would you say he should have still approached it a different way? Well, hold on. I know it can I wanna, get tricky. I'll kind of tell you what I was, you know, just the thoughts that came to my head. And then I, I know you're going to have some good stuff for us. So, you know, just for me, it was like, as Kian said earlier, you know, it was a, it was a way for me to, you know, block out all of that trauma 
right? All of the, the negative things that I, I was experiencing or that I allowed myself to really. You didn't have the choice. Right. Yeah. Don't say allow. You didn't have the choice. Okay. Okay. Very important. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, these, these, these traumatic experiences that that I was feeling, right. I, I didn't know of a way to really manage that, you know, being so young, I grew up in a single parent home. My mom really grew up in a single parent home. So there was never, you know, an absent of male positive, like real solid male positive figures in my life. For the most part, I had a couple, um, it was a way for me to try to, you know, shield, like you said, shield myself from those things so that I could be able to focus on the things that I knew I needed to do to be able to get to where I wanted to go, you know? And it wasn't until, you know, maybe the past year and a half, really two years where I was able to start kind of, you know, purging some of that pain and, and having that time alone, right. Where I didn't feel like, you know, I have a younger sister and my mother, you know, low income household, I always felt like I was the one that needed to be the protector, the the problem solver, the person who always figured out the solution to whatever was going on in everybody's life. And it wasn't until the past couple of years that I started to realize, like, you can't you can't do that. One, it's not your place to figure out everyone else's problems. You know, I don't need to figure out my sister's 20 now. Like she needs to figure out her own shit and start to learn who she is and, and not make the same mistakes. I are made. you older than your sister? Yeah, nine, almost nine years. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I had, some, I had some similar experiences at some you, points in my you life. You know, this is really important. I'm going to say something here. It's really important. <clears throat> this is the wild part about a situation like that. And, and keep in mind, I'm saying this is completely uh, objective as in right, right, what's yeah. happening as far as the situation that goes, not in a, in a questioning um, motives in any single way. But really, there's a certain part of you that ended up taking on a, a role of a, a more of a husbandly father role, oh, absolutely, right, to your mom, and yeah. so because she was in that position, I knew that early on. Right, too. You knew like that right? nine, nine or ten. I knew that I had to be that person. A lot of high performers in the same space, yeah. right? Because you're forced to at a yeah. very young age to have to grow up really quick. You become hyper aware of how your mom's feeling and how she's doing. Oh yeah, for that, sure, hundred percent. My, my yeah. old as well. And yeah, so, yeah. Right? We have a ton of yeah. conversations about that all yeah. the time. Me too. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's not, it makes sense. We're all sitting here right now together having this conversation. Uh, but really, th- that's what it is, is a lot of young boys, and I've found with some women, take on a role that they're not meant to take on. At a very, I even very see it in my age. sister, too. I yeah. see it in my sister all the time. That's it, yeah. right? And that's where a lot of the main issues that come from with with people is is parents. Now, God bless their heart. You know, People are doing the best they can with what they have. Right? It's not right. their fault. It's just objectively looking at situations saying they're not fit emotionally to be parents. And, and you know that I don't, I don't want to come down on anybody by saying that, but that's just the objective truth, yeah. right? And the byproduct yeah. of that is a child that has to emotionally grow up way quicker than they should, right? A child is supposed to emotionally be able to depend on uh, their mother or father, or, you know, a lot of ancient civilizations have a, a communities, more a, a communities, right. That take right. care of people where they have the emotional space to be able to grow up and develop. And then when they hit a certain age, the men take them out and they beat the shit out of them or whatever they do in those civilizations. Right. Right. Um, but they, they're, are in a space to be able to emotionally depend on one person or multiple people in the majority of civilizations throughout right. history, right? So if you never have that opportunity to emotionally depend on somebody, you never under, understand really how to be able to um, be truly independent, right? And that's the crazy part is true independence is being able to healthfully depend on other people. And if you feel like you constantly have to be the one doing everything and not taking help and accepting help from other people, 
then you don't know how to be dependent. And that's a huge part of life that we're missing out on because we need other people, right? That's, that's yeah. how we're that's created. Very, very powerful. I, I, my bad. I don't mean to interrupt, but it was just the fact about, you know, also independency in the form of, you know, asking for help. Um, and I think a lot of people are scared to ask for help, you know, and this coming, you know, through our, our experiences, I was one that I would never want to ask for help back in the oh, day never. because I want, I was never. like, no, I got this. I can do this. I've been doing this for a while now, you know? And for me, part of this stems from, you know, my parents got divorced, you know, my dad's always been in my life, you know, and, and I'm thankful for, thankful for that. But my mom raised us and there was a time in, life, in, in my life where my dad moved about almost an hour away from where I live. So I wouldn't see him as much as before when he got remarried and, you know, I would have to carry this role in my household. I was the older one. And my grandpa was, you know, uh, love him, rest in peace, you know, tremendous man, you know, really fought, you know, leaving Cuba and, and making a life for, for him and my family and what he's done. And I'm thankful for that. Um, and he, he's given me a lot, but there was this one thing that he would always do. And it was always like, well, now that your dad left, you're the man of the house. You take care of your mom. You take care of your brother. It's your job. It's your 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 positioning now. To if they need money or they need this or they need that, and it was like always that you know that's your role now. And it was like, well, you didn't even give me the option to pick one. My, you know what I mean? And and I remember, thank God, you know, my aunt, you know, my mom's sister, you know, she would always talk to me, and her husband, my uncle, he's he's a he's always been a life coach, and he would sometimes definitely help in certain a lot of these situations and my aunt as well and you know i remember there was arguments you know back and forth between my mom my my aunt my my grandparents you know because my aunt would tell them hey you know anthony needs to live his life he needs you know he needs to go explore and do these things and i remember it wasn't till i left to new york that really i started experiencing some of that openness out of that bubble um and let me tell you my grandpa was upset you know, and, and they were like, you're leaving your mom here by herself. And, uh, Miami people don't and, leave. You know, I mean, <laughs> Miami no, people never so leave. Imagine they don't you're breaking leave. your family. Latin American yeah. culture. Though. Yeah. Latin American yeah. culture. Yeah. I mean, it's like the same that, thing. You know, it's the same thing where I'm from, do, too. You're, you know, you're so. going to leave her out in the dust and she has no man and all this stuff. And, you know, my aunt was, you know, and she would tell me, and, and it's true, you know, it's, well, that's not his role. His role is not to be the man of the house. You know, she, you know, he's not her husband. He's not the dad he's not he's anthony who's trying to build his own life at a young age and doing honestly, a damn good job i appreciate that and and, mm -hmm. and honestly i have to say thank god for having that part of that guidance no nothing against my my i love my mom she's amazing my Beautiful grandparents woman. all that and appreciate that but <laughs> those things really um really helped me to get through certain situations so i definitely relate on that end and and it could be you know exhausting at times you know because then it leads you to you know thinking that hey heck i don't need guilt and shame anybody. guilt and shame and i would never want to go to anybody because actually i would feel bad asking for help mm -hmm. you know until i realized that you know you gotta just ask and you will receive you know and that's one of the most powerful things to today that you know sometimes me and josh talk about you just gotta go ask and look that person came on the podcast you gotta go ask that person helped me out with this you gotta go ask you know i was but i was able to get this just simply asking. Well, it's that know. fear of acceptance, right? Like, are, if I ask and they say no, like, am I less of a person? You know, am I less of an entrepreneur or less of a coach if someone who I'm seeking help from tells me nah? Absolutely. And I think where that comes from, too, is it's super powerful because, you know, when you do take on that role of being that, that husband, essentially, in, in your family, 
uh, you become hypersensitive at a very young age, hypersensitive past the point of you don't even know your own emotions because you're so overconsumed with the emotions of your mother or, you know, for you, you said your sister as well, uh, but being that for your whole family. And so it's past the point of a certain level of, uh, healthy, healthy understanding. So you, you don't know, you lose track of your emotions and the other people's because you're so hyper in tune to theirs. And I also want to want to say that like you literally as a young child, you assume that your life, uh, you living or dying is built off your ability to be able to emotionally cater to the people around you. Because at that age, like if your mom can't take care of you, you're fucked. Right. That that's it. You're screwed. Right. And so that's why you become hypersensitive to that because, you know, if our moms are not in a healthy emotional state and they can't take care of us. Right. So it's literally a life or death understanding of us at that young age, which is why we take on that, uh, that ability to be able to hyper understand our mom's emotions, uh, and completely don't even develop the understanding of what our emotions are or how we're feeling. Now I will tell you something real quick. I don't regret having gone through those times. Oh, no, I never. don't regret never. experiencing those things because at the same time, I feel that's what sh- has helped me shape me. Um, and at the same time, I think the regret comes in if you don't allow yourself to grow or you don't allow yourself to learn or tackle on new things and be in certain uncomfortable positions. And like you said, you know, have your time to yourself to be able to release and purge. So can I say something with that, Anthony? Definitely. I think one of the most beautiful parts of that, and this is the process I go through with every single, but every single person I work with and even myself is of course, right? Like, of course you are the way you are. And of course you did the things that you did at that age. You didn't have a choice. You did not have a choice to take on those adaptations. You didn't, right? So to have any kind of guilt or any kind of like negative feelings towards it at yourself, like you had no choice. And I think that's one of the uh, toughest things for very uh, forward thinking people as far as entrepreneurs, business owners, high performers, is that we take this radical accountability of our lives. And before you can take full radical accountability for yourself, you have to be able to accept the fact that you can't take radical accountability for something that you didn't choose. And at the age of two or even in your mother's womb, you're not capable of taking on that level of accountability. You can't, right? I know today's day and age, everything as far as like being radically accountable is such a big deal. And, and it is, but for the already radically accountable, it's very important for them to say and realize, hey, I didn't have a choice in this matter, right? I, I am the way I am and I experienced some of the things I'm experiencing, not because it was my choice, but because it was an adaptation. I had no choice. I had to. So let yourself be a fucking victim, right? You have to. You have to give yourself that permission to because you didn't. Right. And so that's where some of the most radically accountable people, they never let themselves be a victim because they don't want to be seen as a victim. Right. And of course, you're always the one that had it all together. You had to have it all together. Right. So when you give yourself that permission to say, of course, and sit in that and feel that and like give yourself some of that acceptance and love in that moment and say, I didn't have a choice in the matter. Of course, I am the way I am. Of course, I took on these ways of being. It's a very, very, very essential first, uh, maybe not first, but beginning step in the process of healing is being able to come to terms with that, that you had no choice. Some of those, some of the biggest aha moments, you know, uh, I've had in learning those things, like learning to be able to forgive myself or learning to be able to forgive others, or even be able to, you know, silence some of the outside, you know, restrictions I was putting on, the way I was thinking and and the way I was acting right based on how other people felt right. Some of the biggest ways I was able to get past that. And we kind of teased it earlier was through plant medicine, right? 
Um, and I know, you know, we live in Miami. Yeah, I know you're going to eat this up and he's going <laughs> to love the lead into this. We live in Miami. I have a ton of friends that, you know, take mushrooms, take psilocybin, take LSD just to get fucked up, right? Good for you. You do what you want. I've never been one of those people, right? I've always kind of looked at it from the medicinal side, from an early uh, early stage in my life, right? I read a couple of Terrence McKenna's books, you know, one in college, one in college and one in grad school. Thank you, Joe Rogan. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, that's really when it started to, to change for me. And, you know, every time I kind of feel like there's too much background noise distracting me, you know, I'll dip into some psilocybin, you know, and without a, without a, a without a blink in an eye, uh, of an eye, you know, all of that background noise decreases, you know, goes away completely. And I'm able to really dive deeper into who I am as a person and what my actions really say about me and what the, the other people I hang around say about me or what their actions will dictate my actions towards, right? And whether those are really going to lead me to where I want to go in life or if they're going to be hindering those things. So I'd like to, you know, get into this conversation with you and, and get your thoughts on, you know, plant medicine and the different varieties in which you utilize plant medicine to help others uh, really see what's meaningful in life for them and, and what's not. Yeah, and I'm sure we could have probably a whole other another episode. podcast yeah, yeah. well you're always welcome back right man. yeah and i think that that would be a fantastic conversation. maybe we should take some psilocybin yeah, right. Ooh, <laughs> <that would> be, <laughs> oh shit that'd be a great time man but, but no i uh you know it's funny that, that that you asked that because my the first experience i ever had with the you want to say most people call it an ego death essentially uh there was a moment that i had on the beach here in miami when uh i did take the psilocybin mushrooms and that was the moment I realized that almost everything that I did up to that point was for the approval of other people. And I came to this realization that I didn't even know who I was. And it's a scary thing. It, it was yeah. insane. I, I just sat there and I'm like, I was with a friend. And I'm like, I don't even really know who I am. I've made almost all the decisions in my life for the acceptance and approval from other people. And I'm like, I don't even know what my favorite restaurant is. Cause I always ask everybody else what they want to do. Where they yeah, want to yeah. <laughs> right. So I'm like, what's my favorite restaurant? I don't so, know. So which one is it? Yeah. So which one is it? <laughs> I love a good steak. I love a good steak. Yeah, so there's a good steak. I'm going to take it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but really that, that was the the space that I was at. And I think that's, you know, a, a place, a lot of people you know, need to get to. I'm not saying that you have to, you know, take mushrooms to be able to do it. But I know plant medicine in particular, I've had other experiences, but that was my first experience really with it. Yeah. Well, it, does, it dissolves, you know, I, I'm some, I can't remember who said this. I it definitely wasn't me, but you know, plant medicine really dissolves the ego, you know, and it, especially when you're, you know, I don't know, you know, what you've experienced or, or what you've utilized. Right. But like the first time I smoked DMT was like a huge thing for me and understanding that, you know, we're a lot smaller than we really are and we don't really know as much about ourselves as we think we know. And we're also not as individualized or, or singular as a, as a human being, as like a, a individual human being. We're not as singular as we thought we were, but more 
a collection of of things, whether, you know, like what you said, your experiences and, and the people that help shape those experiences or physiologically as like a group of atoms and a group of organisms that make up the human being that I am today. Do so, you, do you feel the same? Do you, do you think the same things or, or have you felt similar experiences? Like how has that been for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, many people that, that experiment with different plant medicines, you know, whether it be DMT, uh, ayahuasca, uh, there's other different forms uh, of psilocybin mushrooms that they do get that oneness feeling, right? Because y- you finally are separate from what many people call call the ego. And uh, I'm, I'm personally not a, a fan of the, the full-on death of the ego, but I think it allows you to actually separate. From, I, it has an importance, we, right? We talked about that. Importance. We've talked right? about so, that. But it allows you to separate and not identify with it anymore. Right. right? So it no longer is not you. Not the driving factor. Exactly. Right. So Especially you're able to create the separation. Inflated ego. You speaking from experience? Maybe. Absolutely. No, I mean, you've been around me for sure. You've been around <laughs> no, we've all, we've yeah. All, yeah. You know, we've all have that, you yeah. know, and we still do. Yeah. yeah. We Absolutely. still do. But that's the, that's the beautiful thing about ego. And I talk about it even when I coach my clients is that you still need to understand that you need some ego to be able to get you through certain things, to be able to help you with certain things. But it's well, even the belief in yourself, right? But like, even the belief you know, in yourself. Part of, exactly. part of the belief is. Human. It's right? just it's, being it's, human. It's, right? and, and there's yeah. nothing wrong with having ego, it's just when it becomes and it takes you over and now it's this inflated ego. Well, the ego becomes the individual, right? It like, becomes you. It goes back to your emotion when you start letting it consume you and making having you do decisions that you don't intentionally want to do. You know, I, I guess everything has to do with that balance of not letting it fully consume you to the point where you're not in control anymore. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know what? For most people, they are driven by what many people would call the ego and until there is that healthy separation between you and the ego, uh, you're you don't even know who you are because you're just operating out of out of ego. Which ego is your uh, your learned behavior as far as your upbringing? That, that's really what it is. It's all the different masks. I say mask. Un, I, I say what I do is un, a level of unmasking. It's all the masks that you put on uh, to make yourself believe that you're not this big ball of uh, of joy uh, and divinity that we're taught that we're not. So I'm not. fuck i'm screwed (laughs) but at the core right so all these things that teach us that we're not worthy really that that's what ego is it's it's separate from us but then at the same time you know like like you said anthony there is and a healthy relationship that you can have with it that's part of being human right it's not it's not about completely dissolving your ego because that would mean that i'm i'm on a different plane and and field right and and i'm here for a reason i want to be i want to experience ego i want i want to experience the the spices of life and what it is to be human right i'm not here to just to to fully transcend yet i'll be dead and that's and that's why i think it's funny but with all this conversation what i'm starting to see is is the word balance you know, with everything we're talking about and just, you know, having a healthy balance and, you know, the certain spectrums of, of these different topics that we, we talked about. And, you know, you start to seeing there's, it's, it's not about, you know, really right or wrong, but it's about also to like the moment you're in, you know, what you're going through, where this can help you, where it cannot help you, you know, and knowing when to flip on and off these switches to be able to be happy, successful, healthy, um, but that's what I'm starting to see is like a lot of it has to do as well with that balance of knowing when to balance yourself out when this is, okay, this is too much and it's not helping. Okay. This is, I need to do some of this because, you know, it's not helping me either. So that's something that really st- stuck on out to me even more today is 
balance. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And, and not only that, as far as being something to, you know, I don't even want to say work towards, but naturally have happen and recognize that like a lot of times you're going to be imbalanced before you're balanced, right? Like if, right. You, if you lived your whole life catering to your mom and the needs of her, you might have a period of time where you said, mom, you know what? I'm going to go fuck off over here. Yeah. I'm going to leave you alone for Been a while. Been there. Time, Been there right? for a while. And then yeah. that's healthy too, right? Because yeah. it, it allows the healthy detachment to happen for you then to go back and establish a healthy relationship yep. with whoever it is that you're trying to detach from. So feedback. So, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's knowing like wherever you're at right now at this point of your life, like if you're imbalanced and, and you have the intention, you're working towards uh, becoming more balance, then you will naturally gravitate towards that. And if you are imbalanced a little bit right now in your life and you're like, Hey, I don't really want anything to do with my family right now. And I just want to be me and, and be on my own and experiment and try different things. That's great too. Yeah. Right. Cause you know, sometimes you, you have to give yourself the permission. It's giving yourself the permission to experience what it is you want to experience and right? no judgment associated with that. I love that you brought that up about, you know, being able to experience and allowing yourself to experience and bringing it back to the whole plant medicine aspect. I know you get, you guys probably know a lot more than I do in the plant medicine area. Um, you know, but I have had my fair share of tries of, of things and I've had my experiences. Um, but one thing that stuck out to me the most and one thing that I feel, you know, you know, you guys correct me if I'm wrong or whatever your guys' opinion is. But what I feel is, you know, when you go into doing these things, um, and you're these going to, things. you're going Sounds to try so dirty, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know how you like it, yeah. <laughs> but when you're trying new things, you're, you're, you're experimenting. I feel too, that people hear this, right? People hear us talk and then they'll be like, well, now I have to go do this. Now I have to try that. Now for me, I believe that you need to also allow yourself to try it when it's the right time for you to try it. You know, um, in the sense of if you're not in the right place with yourself to do something and just forcing it because you feel like somebody else is telling you or because, you know, you feel that, oh, well, he said it's good for you, but you don't feel truly right about it. I feel that that's where you might have a bad experience with it. Where for me, I'll give you my experience when I had, you know, ayahuasca. I've had been. Not, I don't want to say push back on it, but it was just, I felt like it wasn't my ready moment. Like I felt like, you know, and it wasn't until then. Did you go in? Like oh, in, I, in? Oh yeah, I went in, uh, okay. in. And it wasn't really when, when I got I signs. I got signs when I would just hear it, but nobody was telling me, no, you have to do it. It was just like, they would talk about ayahuasca and I would hear about it. And I would just, and it was more signs of like, I felt like it was coming closer to me. And then I felt accepting of it to want to try it. Mm. and i felt like i had a great experience but then i hear other times when people are like kind of forced into it they feel like they're forced into it and, well i'm gonna do it because so and so tells me i have to do it or because you know it's not because i really want to do it but they're saying it's gonna help me discover all this stuff and then they have a bad experience i'm not saying that that happens forever but i'm saying that for me i just feel when you're going into these things you want to lead into like you do anything you want to lead into it with intention you want to mm. lead into it with a mind frame of wanting to do it, not feeling forced or not feeling because you're having pressure from other individuals or other things around you to have to do it. Um, well, I, I think, you know, and you mentioned like unpeeling these masks, right? I think at times when people, you know, utilize plant medicine like ayahuasca in a time when they're not 
in that mental state that they, you know, are really ready for the answers, they use it as a mask. Like, oh, well, I, I took psilocybin or I, I smoked DMT or I, you know, I drank ayahuasca and, you know, nothing changed. Nothing changed. Like, well, all you did was put another mask on. You know, all you did was hide behind the fact that you drank ayahuasca or that you smoked DMT as like, okay, well, I did it. And, you know, it, it answered the fact that things aren't as wrong as I thought they were. It's like, well, maybe you weren't looking in the right places. Maybe you weren't open to be able to hear the answers that you, that you needed to hear, you know? So at least in my own experience, like I try to use that as for lack of a better term, like a last ditch effort. Like if I can't come to any solution, uh, to solve the, the, ex, the, the feelings or, or the problems that I'm having in my life, then I'll go to that as like, a, okay, I need to really, like I said before, get rid of all that white noise, mm. right? Get rid of all of those distractions that I may be subconsciously allowing to affect me, you know, not even consciously, uh, whether it be, you know, family or finances or whatever, allow all that wh- white noise to dampen. And then I can, you know, prepare myself for the questions that I need answered. And then I actually have to go through the, the, the most difficult part of like asking those questions, you know, and ex- being accepting of whatever the answer is. Cause most of the time I'm, I don't like it. You know, I don't necessarily want to accept the responses that, you know, the plant medicine is helping me or guiding me to, to get to, you know, but at the end of the day, if I want to improve, I know that, you know, I need to head down this path or I need to at least explore it in a, in a much deeper sense. Yeah. I mean, it, <clears throat> I love what you said, not like almost like a, a last ditch effort type of thing. Not necessarily that it has to be that, but uh, many people listening to this might not have ever done anything with, uh, as far as maybe like excessive breath work or meditation and those kinds of things. And those are also extremely beneficial. Yeah. Like right. I used so the Wim Hof method a ton of, and you know, that anytime I have anxiety, you know, first thing I go to now is my breath. Yeah. You know? and, and it alleviates though, a lot of the, a lot of the stress. And I think too, it's stress. another important thing for people to understand is, is also aligning yourself and discovering different tools that you can use and understanding too, that not every tool is for you. Just because a tool works for somebody doesn't mean it's going to work for you. You know, and that goes with all areas of life, business, relationship, fitness, health, um, and, and being accepting that just because that tool worked for him or her doesn't mean it's going to work for you. And finding out those tools that work for you and using that to better help yourself. Absolutely. They're all tools. At the end of the day, they're all tools. And, and I was going to say is that if, if you haven't even taken the time to really experiment with like breath work and, and meditation and stuff, uh, I don't know if good start. medicine is yeah. uh, the, the, the great route for you. Now, if you feel extremely pulled to it then uh, okay, like like Anthony said, like there's that pull, right? There's this natural progression that's like, okay, people mm-hmm. are kind of talking about like this it. energy, like this yeah. sense, like this. And you feel, oh, yeah, and you feel good it. about it too. It doesn't yeah. feel bad. Yes. It's a positive thing. And, it, and it's, it's like for me, it was, it, it felt as like I was allowing it in, not it was forcing its way in. You know, when, and, and the words that I would hear from it, the conversations that I would come up was more about, more educate. It was just more about people talking about it. Maybe I heard something educating about it, but I wouldn't hear like, you have to do this. You have to go try it. Or why haven't you tried this? It was more words of like, you know, it's a, it, uh, it was more like, okay, ayahuasca can do this for you. Or ayahuasca, you know, um, has these healings or ayahuasca has this. And it was just more positive things. I would just hear about it. It was just more um, 
education behind it that then I would say drew me closer to it. And then I would just hear it in a different way in my head from other people saying it that didn't felt forceful. And the more I would hear it like that, the more I, I felt like I would receive it in a positive way that allowed me to then draw myself closer to trying it and, and, and being open to it. So important. So, so important. And I know on top of that, Anthony, I think one of the biggest things as well is not letting the tool be the end goal. That's right. And I, I you know, living in Colombia, being so close to ayahuasca, you know, I see, you see a lot of people that are like, oh, I'm doing ayahuasca every weekend. <laughs> it's like, bro, you've done ayahuasca 30 times in the last year. Like, bro, like, I think you probably got an event. So now it's time to go take some action on it. Yes. That. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yes. So, so a lot of, even, even meditation though, bro, like people do meditation, people do breath work and, and they'll use these tools as the end thing. It's like, bro, like you trying to have this blank mind while you're meditating. Yes, the goal is to be without mind, but you can't force yourself to be in a meditative state. You have to do the internal work yep. to be able to get to the place to where you're naturally able to embody what you achieve in meditation. So meditation can be fantastic for short-term relief to get you into a, a good headspace. But ultimately, if you don't do the internal purging of the emotion, now I don't want it to be like this big, scary thing, but it's kind of scary in the moment. But like, if you don't give yourself permission to go to that space to do that and use the tools as something to help you get rid of some of that uh, right. learned behavior, those masks that store pent up emotion, uh, then it's going to be, it's going to be very, very healthy if you allow them to be the tools, not the end all be all right. So the goal isn't to be a monk living in the forest. Uh, unless you want to be badass, then you can, right? Then badass. Don't, don't, don't just follow. Cause it's a trend. Yeah. Do it as a tool. Try it. Like you said, like Anthony said, just try things. And there's so many different tools and ways of, of healing that you can use and, and find what feels best to you. And, and, Check yourself too, as far as, you know, if you do have a, you know, an addictive personality by nature, just be like, yo, like maybe I need to check myself and see if I'm, I'm gravitating too much to one thing where I'm doing it too often, where I'm depending on it to be able to get different answers. If I'm depending on plant medicine to get answers, then you might want to, you know, separate yourself from it a little bit. Uh, but really don't let the tool be, be the end goal. Love it. Dude, we've, we've, we've talked yeah. a lot about yeah, some we've really talked cool a lot. shit. Before, before we wrap this up, I, I, you had me hooked at the beginning and, you know, talking about being actionable, uh, you had mentioned that you're going on a sabbatical, right? So why don't you kind of enlighten us and, and tell us a little bit about, you know, what you are ready to expect in all that. Yeah. I, I completely forgot about that. So <laughs> I you. didn't, I yeah, definitely I didn't. Did. <laughs> I was hooked. I was hooked. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm intrigued. I can't wait to ask that yeah, question. Thank so. you for bringing that up. Of course. Uh, but yeah, so I'm, uh, I've told all my clients already, uh, that I'm done coaching November 19th. Uh, and so November 21st, I got a small little cabin that's attached to a mountainside out in, uh, the South East corner of Arizona. And I'll be going out there, uh, no electronics, no human interaction, nothing, just me, myself and I, and doing some extended periods of fasting. Uh, I have still have to figure out that my, my method of, of using the fasting while I'm out there. Uh, but it's me just, uh, confronting myself for 30 days. And, uh, that's it. Wow. Had it on mute. Uh, what are you, are you going into it with any sort of expectation? I mean, it seems like you're pretty even keeled nowadays where, you know, you're able to, while being excited about something and, and, you know, maybe having an outlook, you also have an understanding that, you know, the path might take you in another direction as well. So do you have any expectations going into it? Is, is there a specific thing other than, you know, being able to step away from a lot of the stressors that, you know, 
the society that we live in today brings along with it? Or are you just going to do it to, you know, say, fuck it and see what happens? New tool in the toolbox. <laughs> I, I like the new tool in the toolbox. And really, I, as far as expectations go, um, I suppose maybe there is some level of, of that with just being able to expect to understand myself at a deeper level as far as different courses of action that I want to take for me. Um, but really, if I do decide to commit to a certain path, I, I understand that it can always be change, changing. Um, but really, I think it just to understand uh, myself greater, to be able to continue down the path of uh, healing certain parts of myself so I continue to do whatever it is that I feel pulled to do. And uh, that's really what I want to gain from it, just a greater insight into understanding myself. So, yeah, I guess I don't really have anything in particular, any answers that I'm seeking, but just a greater understanding of me and hopefully take another couple masks off. So I have to ask um, any plant medicine being involved during that time. I was thinking about that. And as of right now, no, okay. I don't think so. That'd be uh, good. That'd be a great experience. I think it would be. Yeah. And I think my, my ego would like to say, yeah, yeah. let's bring some plant medicine, yeah. right? Let's bring some Swing stuff through Colorado. Yeah. That yeah. shit is let's legal in Denver. And so I think for me, uh, that, that that's, that's comfortable for me. I think I've gotten comfortable with, with that. Uh, and I think me just doing certain levels of fasting and just not having that outlet where it's just like me, myself and I, and, uh, especially during the fasting where there's nowhere for me to go besides the the desert uh, is uh, not as appealing as maybe having some plant medicine with me, but I think is, uh, I feel is best for me. Man. I mean, this is by far the longest podcast that we've done for so sure. far. How almost, long is this? Almost an hour and a half so okay. far. Uh, you know, before we wrap things up, I know Minda is going to have one final question for you. Maybe two. Yeah, he's always he always <laughs> says one, and then it ends up being four. I, you know, before we wrap things up, I just want to say, you know, really from the bottom of my heart, thank you for coming on. It's it's been tremendous, you know, hearing all the things that you've been working on over the past couple of years, you know, and like I said at the, at the beginning of the podcast, like having witnessed who you were when you first came to Miami, and now having this conversation and being able to at least you know open the door a little bit to to who Kean is today, man. It's it, it it really makes me, you know, happy and, and I, I find a sense of pride in the fact that, you know, you have made such a dramatic and positive change in your life so that you can, as I said before, go out there and really make an impact in other people's lives. You know, it's not easy for people to be able to. And this comes from personal experience as well. Right. And still going on. It's not easy to make these changes. Right. When you think that you have it all. Right when you think that you're you're on top of the world, and then come to find out you're one of the you know, at least in my case, right, very low on the totem pole, in terms of like what your actual knowledge is of the world and of yourself, you know. So to be able to see that transformation uh, firsthand through an hour and a half long conversation, man, I, you know, it's it's really it it makes me want to now go out and explore myself a lot farther because I have seen how far you've came, you know, um, without getting too sappy. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. when uh, transformation you know. happens on the podcast. Yeah. You know, um, so really, man, you know, keep doing the things you're doing. Uh, keep exploring all these different avenues. Keep helping people the way that you have been helping. I mean, just by, you know, the little insights and in, in the 
personal nuances that we've gone through in the podcast about my own life, you know, I have a lot of things that I need to think about as well. Uh, and I'm sure people who are listening are probably thinking the same thing. So really, man, once again, thank you so much. Uh, you want to let people know where they can find you because you're doing some awesome shit. Well, first, thank you, Josh. Well, remember, you can't reach out to him during that one month, though. Yeah. Well, we got some time. <laughs> no, we got, we some got time. time. We got time. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I just want to really like feel that. So thank you. Yeah. Anytime, man. I mean, you know, you got to give respect where it's due and you've earned it over the years. Thank you. Yeah. No, we some tissues. Right? Like that. And I, I think, you know, that, that feels good. It feels great, man. And that's where like <sighs> being able to let ourselves just, I mean, especially as like, you know, it's a high performers, just like letting us feel these compliments like feeling these things, right? I know we're so quick. Oh, thanks, bro. Yeah, yeah, you too, bro. Yeah, thanks, bro. Yeah, yeah, Right? But it's just like, no, just like let yourself just sit there and feel that. Like just like take it in and just feel it and just like, thank you. Like, yeah, it feels fucking good, dude. I can, I can feel myself getting emotional, right? And these aren't, these aren't tears of sadness or, or, or anger. It's like, bro, like feel that. Thank you. That's yeah. what life's about. That's what connection's about. That's really what it's about, man. And just feeling that it's like such a deep level, but we just, we're so quick to bypass that. We're so quick to just be like, yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're good. Yeah. Cool, bro. Yeah. Let's schedule it. Yeah. No, just be here and just experience that. So thank you for giving yourself the permission to say all those things because I felt absolutely amazing. Yeah, of course, man. I, and you know, not to just respond super quickly, like you were saying no. people do, but you know, it's not easy. You know, it's not easy to go through the things that you've gone through in life and all of the roller coaster experiences that go along with that, you know, getting into prof like college and, prof and uh, professional athletics and then, you know, having those setbacks and then having to rebrand yourself and rebuild who you are and, you know, relearn who you really are and, you know, then have that be taken away from you again when you have an ego check and then, you know, have to do it all over again, but really do it. You know, it's it's, it just shows the resiliency that, that you've built over time, you know, and, and the honesty and, and uh, genuine care that you bring to, you know, the things that you're thinking about in the way that you go about your business. Thank you. And yeah. it's, it's definitely hasn't been easy and, and it'll continue to, to be, to be great, but it, it's wild how you end up developing a different perspective surrounding all of this, the more you go in it, because you start to see the beautiful results that come from it as far as the level of joy and fulfillment that you're able to experience in yourself. And you actually, you know, I, when I say you, I mean me, you actually to begin to develop like this, like almost like fun, uh, loving perspective of all of it. It's like, Whoa, there I go again, getting triggered by that thing. There it is. Kian, mm -hmm. right? There you go again, doing it again. Right. It's like, okay, there's something I got to confront. Right. Mendez so, loves triggering me. <laughs> right. So it's, 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 it's like, great. Cause then I can use that trigger as something I can work through. Right. So not yeah. using them as something like, Oh fuck, I'm insecure again. Like, Oh my For gosh, sure. like, how could I do get mad or get sad or be insecure right there? It's like, there it is. Whoa, there's another thing that I can confront and I can work through and I'm going to be way better off after I do. Right. Yeah. So it's developing that, like almost like love for it. Right. Not that you're seeking pain, kind of masochism stuff, but like that you find a, a healthy relationship with uh, your triggers and insecurities. Something had to, you know, say just, uh, you know, I know since I know we're wrapping things up and I want to just let you know, you know, since the moment I met you and I know that was right shortly after Equinox that you left, um, we've had many deep conversations, those moments that we've met at the park a few times and we've hung out and, you know, you know, 
we've been in the car driving and talking and, you know, from when you came, you know, and helped me, you know, when I asked you if I needed help and I appreciate that and I'll never forget that to help me move all those boxes and all that stuff. Got to use those muscles yeah. for something, man. Yeah, right? See, I asked, I asked, <laughs> I asked and I got, and, and, and he came. Um, and it's funny because every, since the moment we met all these conversations, um, and that's something strongly I can always say that every time we speak or every time we're in, in, in some kind of presence together and we have these conversations, I always feel that I come out at a level. I don't want to say it's not, oh my God, I'm at a higher level. It's more, I'm a, I feel like I come out as a better leveled person. Um, I feel like we always come out of it learning something new. Um, it's always a different experience. It's always, a a way to self-release, um, to put certain things out on the table where we talked about, you know, issues and, you know, things we're going through and experiences. And even remember that time when you called me from Colombia and you were telling me, you know, your experience with, you knew your girlfriend. And then after when you guys broke up and then all that, and I feel like I'm always learning from you. And then I always feel like, you know, when we have these conversations, it's like everything else blocks off. So I definitely want to thank you for that. And like Josh was saying, it's even from when I met you, I know Josh met you before, but even from when I met you, it's it's totally obviously obvious that you just better yourself and you just become this higher level of yourself every single time that I go and talk to you again. Well, thank you. And, and man, like, it's it's fantastic and you talked about like this level of presence right just like everything else just kind of like leaves and it's blocked out and we're just here and that that's really what, what life's about it's getting to that space right and you know that that's what you could say oh maybe like pure enlightenment or whatever it is I'm overrated if you ask me but <laughs> uh being able to be in the space where we uh we're able to do that as a group facilitate that and just like time stops and everything else aside Shit, stops. That's why this has been the longest podcast. Yeah. Right? I mean, just like, we're yeah. just here. And then I mean, we could keep going for a long time. Right. I know that for a fact. Yeah. It's, it, it's beautiful. So thank you for, for sharing the, the space and allowing me to come here and of course, anytime and you guys facilitating anytime. the space. You're too. always definitely welcome. want to have you, especially yeah, after welcome. that experience that you're going to have. Yeah. I'd love to hear about the sabbatical. One when month you come on back. your own. We definitely want to, yeah, want to oh, hear man, about that'd that. That'd be fun. I want to hear about it. I don't know. I'm screwed, bro. I'm waiting for it. But yeah, absolutely. And Josh, to answer your question too about where people can find me, I'm not terribly active on Instagram, um, but my Instagram is kian.loggy. I'm sure you guys will put the spelling in, in the yep. show notes. Yeah. Um, you have a website? Facebook. Uh, yeah, I got a website too, kianloggy.com. Uh, Facebook, kianloggy. Uh, if you are pulled and you uh, feel inside of you to want to reach out, like I'll absolutely 100% respond. I'll, I'll, I'll not, not respond uh, to somebody that uh, is inspired to reach out to me. I know the kind of, um, I don't say the kind of balls that it takes, but like, you know, the, the, the nerve that it takes to, to do that and to push yourself to, you know, go to the uncomfortable space of reaching out to somebody when, uh, you might not be feeling that great about yourself. Or if you are feeling great about yourself, you just want to say something else. That's great too. All right. So don't hesitate. Appreciate you, man. Boom. Really appreciate you. You have a final question you want to ask? Two. I there always like go. to ask these. Yeah. In Colombia, what's the craziest and wildest shit you, you saw out there? This will be on YouTube too, so you can say whatever you want. <laughs> craziest and wildest shit you saw in Colombia. Craziest, wildest shit I saw in Colombia. Everything, everything in Colombia. Everything in Colombia. Name a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, everything. What was the most eye opening experience you had there? 
God, I, I know, like, I want to say something wild and crazy, but, like, the eye-opening is probably the biggest part to me is that, like, how – I know a lot of people look at, like, the Pablo days and people are, are like, oh, yeah, the, the cocaine and, and all that, and they think Colombia is like, yeah, cocaine, cocaine, everybody in Colombia is – that's cocaine. It's just wild, crazy place. Um, but the biggest eye-opener for me was, that, like, how much pain came from that. And, like, I don't want to, like, dwell on that and sit in that, but, like, the first – night I met my girlfriend, her and I were talking about it and she was just telling me how much pain the city as a whole of Medellin went through during all of that. I know a lot of people uh, see it as like this crazy wild time, but just like how much pain was there associated with uh, the the drug trade and how many lives were, were sacrificed and, and um, God, it, it, was, it was just an insane eye-opening experience, you know, me being from South Dakota, uh, not really being involved in much of that. And then, you know, my girlfriend being from the neighborhood next to where Pablo Escobar was from seeing her inside scoop on like, you know, the, the death that she saw and like Jeez. all that crazy stuff, you know? And it's just like, we, we got to get them your client's book. Well, oh the thing, yeah. The thing people, yeah, the, the, sure. the stuff that people see there is like unreal. Like it's unreal. And people have to go grow up really quick there. And you know, I'm, I'm so fortunate and thankful to have the upbringing that I did uh, in the space that I did. Um, and just to, to hear that other perspective, which is, which is fascinating and blew my mind, right. Of what it was like to, to not really even have any sort of childhood at all, because you, you couldn't go outside past the time of six o'clock cause you could worry about getting shot. Right. Like I, I couldn't imagine being a part of something like that. So I think that was probably the most eye opening thing was like the, the detriment that came as a byproduct of the, of the, the drug trade with Pablo. That was wild. Last question. In one sentence, what's the biggest piece of advice you want to leave to everybody today about anything? Just give yourself permission to be. Like, just give yourself permission to be. And in a world where your purpose, your passion, your goals are such a big deal, like, what if we all just gave ourselves the opportunity just to be and operate out of a place of inspired action and didn't judge ourselves based off of us not being somewhere uh, that we want to be and just give ourselves permission to, just to be. And I think that's one of the biggest examples that I want to be for, for the world is that I don't really have like a lot of massive expectations of myself as far as some of this coaching stuff. It's like, I'm just going to keep following what feels good to me. Like I, I, I signed a, uh, on a, as a model, a model with a modeling agency a few months ago, which is something that's like way out of my comfort zone, but I'm like, yeah, this is cool. Like I want to dive into that and if some cool stuff comes from it, like let's do it, you know? Um, but just like, we don't have to have a destination. You don't have to have this like huge, massive goal. Like it, it is okay to be okay with where you are and to be okay with just feeling good. And, and in the way of like operating out of inspired action, uh, and living in that space, you know, and I have an idea of what's going to happen with, you know, me in the future, but like, I'm just giving myself permission just to be and don't have a whole lot of expectation myself to have to do something to propel myself into this space. Right. So just you know, wherever you are, like it's, it's fine. Like it, it's okay. And, and, and you're safe. And I know it's like kind of some, some great mental masturbation right there, but like, you know, like we're turning that true. into a YouTube clip, by the way, yeah. a little Instagram clip, <laughs> a little, yeah. little, little gif, a yeah. little <laughs> gif. Right? So it's some great mental masturbation for all y'all, but just like, really like when you're in the process of healing, like as long as you make the decision to commit to your joy, like, happiness. You're, you're, you're good. Like you're good. If you never make that commitment to your joy, then, then you're not, but wherever you're at, as long as you made that commitment to you and your joy, then like, just give yourself permission to be okay. Guys, you heard it. it My is. man. Thank you again give for coming on. Appreciate it. To just be One hell of an episode. Thank you, brother. Thank, thank you guys. guys. Until next time.
Thank you for listening to Sweat It Out with Anthony Mendez and Josh Evans. Enjoyed this episode? Make sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review.